the Same Hometown Innovations podcast is sponsored by Baker Tilly Municipal Advisors. At Baker Tilly, their mission is to protect and enhance clients' value. Every day, municipalities across Indiana face fiscal challenges, whether it's economic distress, budgetary restrictions, downgraded credit ratings, or shifting human capital needs. Partnering with the right advisor, these challenges can be opportunities. In times of change, local governments rely on Baker Tilly to help navigate unprecedented situations and strategically plan for a sustainable future. With offices in Indianapolis and Mishawaka, Baker Tilly's value architects work closely with municipal leaders to resolve financial issues, optimize operations, and generate innovative ideas to enhance the quality of life for Indiana communities. Baker Tilly, now for tomorrow. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. This podcast is designed to offer insights, best practices, and innovative solutions for the challenges facing Hoosier cities and towns. Each edition will offer ideas and inspiration while showcasing the talent and commitment of Indiana's local leaders. Enjoy the program. Welcome to AIM's Hometown Innovations Podcast. I'm Matt Greller, CEO at AIM, and I'm really excited today to be joined by one of our AIM board members, uh, council member from the town of Ferdinand, Ken Seacard. Ken, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm looking forward to it. Should be interesting. It, it always is. I think you're one of the first uh, council members we've had a chance to talk to uh, on the podcast. So, uh, you know, that's interesting because you your, your class of elected official in, in the AIM world makes up the most uh, folks that we have. Um, you know, talk a little bit about um, how you became involved in AIM, why you think it's important for more council members to be involved. You know, oftentimes council members are part-time elected officials. You know, you have a full-time job. Um, just talk a little bit about your experience over the last many years with AIM. Yeah, I was sitting here thinking earlier this morning about how long I've been around, and I'm into my 22nd year on the town council with about 18 of those as town council president. So, you know, my involvement with AIM now was IAC back in the, the uh, early days when I, you know, kiddingly tell people I had hair on top of my head. Um, you know, when we first got involved with AIM, for me, it was to attend the new officers forum. Uh, right after I was elected and I go up to it was at Indianapolis and I remember I walked away with a wow you know can I really do all this stuff um, you know the actual total involvement with the group kind of took time um, you know the new officers forum showed you that there's a lot of information out there and you're you're wondering as you walk away can I really remember all this stuff and and do everything right you know, the interest and AIM developed as we attended the various meetings that, you know, are sponsored by AIM. And I, I had the honor of working with two very good mayors in Jasper, Bill Schmidt, and in Huntingburg, Gail Kemp. And they really pushed IACT at that time and AIM now. Um, and as I got into being a town council president, it became more and more that, hey, I really need to see what AIM is bringing to the table. Um, you know, when I go to the, the AIM functions, I guess what really got me and I spoke to people like, you know, you, Matt, and, and those that you work with, 
you guys listened and you got back with, you know, if I had questions, you got back with some possibilities and things like that. So, you know, like to the fellow council members out there just getting in and have been on maybe for a, a, a term or two, you know, uh, you got to take advantage of AIM because they're out there. Their job is to help us do our jobs better. Um, and I see more and more of that every day that I'm, I'm involved, you know, they'll, they'll go out and find some answers or direct you to where to go to find those answers. And then, of course, you know, they're there to assist us as we try to make our towns or our city a better place for our people to live. So it's just, you got to want to get involved. And uh, if you're just on as a council member to be a council member, you're probably not going to pay much attention to AIM. On the other hand, if you really want to help your city or your town, you get involved and you take advantage of what AIM has to offer. That's a great answer. I appreciate the, uh, the support over the years. You know, one of the things you probably heard at the newly elected officials training uh, over the years is that we asked you uh, most likely to get to know your legislator right out of the gate. One of the first things that we asked newly elected officials and all elected officials to do is to establish that relationship with your legislator. You know, we've seen, this has probably been true over the course of history, but we've seen, you know, over recent years, a real rash of people that are upset about one decision or another at a local level, and then decide to take that decision to their state legislator. And that often results in some form of statewide legislation that has pretty serious consequences for communities of all sizes and shapes around Indiana. Um, so maybe, you know, I know you've established a relationship, relationships over the years with various legislators. Uh, why is that important? How can a, not just a new council member, but any council member, uh, make sure to stay in tune with what's going on at the legislature um, and make a difference, hopefully, in, in having those legislators better understand what we're doing uh, at the city and town level. I, I think you know, that's something that grows on you as you get into your position of being a member of a council. Um, and you finally start to take notice of it, um, you know, that, hey, there's things happening up in Indianapolis that have an effect on us. And you referenced where some council members or legislature somewhere up in, well, I won't point fingers at different places of uh, Indiana, but somewhere in, in Timbuktu, uh, he's upset with something that happened in his community. So next thing you know, there's a state law coming out ruling against that, which is going to affect you tremendously. And I, I've seen that happen um, time and time again. Um, you know, a council member should make contact with their legislatures, even if it's just a phone call to say hi, or, you know, you're at a meeting and you happen to see them there, go up and say hi, because a lot of times they're looking for your thoughts and your ideas, because it helps guide them as they're looking to either support a bill or to try to deny a bill its time on the floor and, and from being passed, you know. So our input as council members is very important, um, you know, and especially when that bill's written for somewhere else, but it's going to have a disastrous effect on you. Uh, like in recent years, they were trying to take away from or making uh, a town or a city split fees with developers. Well, they're trying to make it a state law. Well, in the town of Ferdinand, we already do that. 
you know, we work with developers. Uh, we'll pay, uh, and you'll hear it a little bit later in some of your follow-up questions if they come, you know, with a developer, we will install their sanitary sewer lines and water lines. They have to buy the material, but we'll provide the labor. Uh, for them, it's a benefit because they're not paying the labor charge. And for us, it's a benefit because we know it's been installed properly and uh, makes a big difference. So, you know, it's just things like that that can happen. I think it's important that me as a town council person make that contact with the legislator and let them just know who we are. You know, my, my senator and my representative, you know, they knew my face before I knew theirs. And, uh, you know, they come and they do ask questions when they see us. And, you know, it's, it's great to be able to sit down and talk to them, send them an email, a message, a text um, about problems that you're having, because it may help them make some decisions on, hey, this is a new piece of law or something that we ought to look at. And sometimes they can just give you some help too. So getting to know your local legislatures is really important as a council member. Switch gears here a little bit, Ken. Um, I mentioned earlier, you're a part of the AIM Board of Directors. And a few weeks ago, we went through a, a process with the National League of Cities and did some race equity training for the Board of Directors. Obviously, that topic has received a, a ton of interest over the last couple of years on a, on a national scale. Certainly here in Indian, Indiana, we saw some of the unrest uh, this summer in some of the metropolitan areas around Indiana. Um, you had a lot of thoughtful things to say during that training and it was pretty interesting to hear from all the board members. And I know, you know, in your, your private job, your real job, some would say, <laughs> you've worked with Kim, Kimball International, Kimball Electronics for years. Uh, so maybe talk a little bit about your experience there and how that, um, work with the National League of Cities might result in some of the things that uh, happen in Ferdinand and, and maybe how things are done differently or improved upon or, or whatever you might have uh, to think about. Okay. Well, I you guess first about me, what a lot of people don't know is I'm not a true Hoosier. Uh, I, I call myself a California babe because I was born in California, spent a grand total of eight months there. And uh, most of my life was in Texas before I ended up in uh, Augusta, Georgia in the uh, year of 1969, 1970, and then ended up in Indiana, which is a whole nother story. But, uh, you know, so my, my early days in Texas, my formative years were, you know, dealing with uh, just life in general of a, a young teenager growing up. And then when I got to Augusta, Georgia for my senior year in high school, that was the year there was a riot in Augusta, Georgia. And I was going to a Catholic high school at that time. And I remember it was eye-opening for me at that time because I came to school and I saw these students that were my fellow students coming from that part of town in tears. And they were young black men and women that were having a hard time, you know, understanding what was all going on. And for me, a young white guy who really hadn't paid a whole lot of attention to it, it was kind of eye-opening. So, you know, on the board of directors then uh, of AIM, we get into the real equity training was offered. Um, went into it and uh, my thing was, is I had just finished a book uh, by Dan Rather called What Unites Us. 
And I tell people that as I read that book, it hurt uh, because he was like me, a white man, grew up roughly in the same time frame. Maybe he's a couple years older than I am, uh, but we grew up in the same America and we grew up living a life which we were, for lack of a better term, you know, um, unaware of what was happening around us. And yet now as we look back on it, there were laws and, and regulations out there that reinforced racism that are probably still on the books in some places. You know, but me as a youth, I wasn't aware of any of this stuff because I was just living my life. You know, as I look back on my youth, I can now see where being a person of color uh, was a distinct disadvantage in, in this tremendous country that I live in. And it goes for another uh, a number of other groups located throughout all, all of America. And they're, they're all Americans dealing with it. The training session, which was two sessions over two days, three hours each, were productive and eye-opening. I thought the instructors did a very good job. I really appreciated hearing comments from my fellow mayors and, and council members that were on the call from the bigger cities because I come from a, a little town, roughly 2,300 people, uh, has very little diversity in population. We basically are a white community. We have some diversity, but you know, not a whole lot. You know, the, the training made me very aware of word issues in like the ordinances and stuff that we have and we can put into play that reinforce racism, even though you may not mean it, it could definitely be there. So like my challenge as a town council president in Ferdinand is to make sure that our current ordinances and stuff don't have that in play, those words that can you know, just reinforce a racism uh, type of stand. You know, as we work to improve the town of Ferdinand, you know, we wanna make sure that we work hard on reinforcing equality. Uh, with us, it's not necessarily the, you know, black Americans, but it is our uh, Hispanic culture Americans that are coming into the area. And we have to re reinforce that equality to be for everybody. You know, I'm proud to be an American and I feel we have the best country in the world in my business with Kimball Electronics and Kimball International. I have traveled the world um, to the uh, countries where we have plants. I have worked with those same people and they are just like us. People are people, no matter what. Uh, I kiddingly say that I was coming up on a production line and there was four ladies and this was over in China. They were sitting there working away, talking to each other. Three of them had their safety glasses on and one of them had, the, had her glasses on the top of her head. And as they're working, all of a sudden you see the one lady sitting next to her, hits her with her elbow and the lady looks at her and she points to her eyes and immediately the hands go up and the glasses come down over her eyes, just like they do in the United States. So people are people no matter where they're at. But as I travel the world, I can't wait to get back home to the, to the United States. So as a council member, uh, this training was very beneficial. Uh, we're going to take a look at the ordinances we have in place and then I put here, I said, you know, maybe I can work to change the people around me and then maybe they can go out and work to change the people around them. And eventually we get to build, you know, a positive force. So uh, it has been interesting. Uh, my time with Kimball Electronics and Kimball International has been very beneficial with what we do there because we deal with people of all races and all types 
and I was a, for a long time, I was a rate man, as they call them, which is, you know, not the world's greatest occupation to have as you go around set rates on people. But the last part of it was dealing with safety and environmental, and it's important to everybody. So, you know, uh, gave me a good view of the world, and I'm very thankful for it. Well, first of all, Ken, um, Dan Rather's 90. So I, I don't think you're, uh, well, you're, okay. you're so quite there yet. <laughs> he's got about 20 years on me then. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, just learned some, I just learned something new about you. I didn't realize that you grew up in the South during a lot of the civil rights movement. So that makes sense that, that you had so much thought and input into the discussion with the board and, and your comments um, really taking it down to the micro level about ordinance language and things like that. That's something also I never thought about and something that maybe we can use to share with others around the state. And that's, I think, part of what, you know, makes what we all do together good. You figure out something that somebody's doing well in one community and plagiarize it and take it to the next community and, and no one minds. It's, uh, it's a, great, uh, a great thing about being an elected official, I think, in Indiana. Uh, speaking of that, though, you know, there could be a, a few folks out there that have no idea what it means to be a council member. So, you know, what's the uh, what's the week in the life of uh, Ken and in Ferdinand look like uh, for you on a, a day to day basis, just from the council member side side of things? OK, um, you know, I'll preface it by saying that, you know, being a council member is going to take time. You know how much it's going to depend on you as the council person. Uh, for myself, uh, when I was just the council person, my first four years, um, you know, I was probably doing, you know, a few hours here, a few hours there, attending the meetings that I had to attend to. But then as I got into my town, trying to make sure what's going on, you know, it brings about other things. Yes, there's the telephone calls that, that do happen. Uh, but it's mostly people calling because they want information on what's allowed in the town or what can the town do about this or that, you know, so you've got to, you get your question, you got to go out and do a little research and then you get back with them with an answer. I'm working with a guy right now who called, he wants to put a bulk gas tank on his property. The only problem it's residential and we don't allow bulk gas and, and things like that in residential. So we're trying to work through his challenge. Um, a lot of the contacts that I get are when we go about doing our normal life, uh, going to the grocery store or, um, you know, my favorite one was when I was in Washington, Indiana, attending a girls soccer game, watching my daughter play. And a guy from town came up and started to chew me out because we were going to allow a police officer to take his car home and he lived outside the town limits. And I listened to him, talked to him a little bit, and he kept on me. And finally, I looked at him and said, hey, I'm on the council. I make the decision. <laughs> you live with it. You know, normally you don't do that, but it had just drug itself out. And then the guy laughed at me, patted me on the back, and we remained friends forever after that. But you, you have to listen, and, and you've got to be personal, and you've got to be honest, you know, to be. And these are extremely important pieces of being personal and, and honest. I attend town meetings. Uh, with the town of Ferdinand, we're very lucky. We have one town council meeting normally a month, takes about two and a half hours of time. A little bit of prep before, maybe a little after. Um, I'm a member of the plan commission, which is about an hour and a half. That's a once a month thing. 
Uh, I will also attend the Board of Zoning Appeals meeting about an hour and Economic Development Commission meetings, which last about an hour. I don't necessarily attend all of those every month, but you know, if something's up and I wanna be there, I'm there. Um, town Council President, uh, there's some county meetings that I have to attend, uh, Solid Waste Board meeting, uh, Dubois Strong, which is our Economic Development Commission as being Town Council President, I'm, I'm on their board. Uh, the Local Emergency Management Advisory Group, I meet all of these meetings are basically once a month. And then we started in the town of Ferdinand, what we call the Dubois County Leadership Academy. It's a you know a special session for people wanting to learn what it is to be a manager. Uh, we have meetings there to try to keep this thing running. Um, council member, you've got to be available when you're, the request is made for your presence, whether it's at a school function or a class wants to talk to somebody who's on the council, things like that. You've got to be there. Yeah, you have to do some prep for some meetings and things like that. And then you also have to be available to your town employees. Uh, it's not unusual for me to have somebody pull up into the driveway wanting to talk about something happening in town. And of course, town hall has their questions. And then as an example of myself, and, and I'm going to say that I'm probably on the high end, I probably average 40 to 50 hours a month working on town business. And as you said, Matt, and it's been that way for a long time, um, it's because I want to be involved. And yeah, up until I retired two years ago, I had a full-time job on top of all of that, plus other things. But I'm interested in making my town better, so I give the hours. Hope that doesn't scare everybody off. <laughs> That's a lot of effort, obviously, and I'm sure you're not alone around the state, but I, I have to believe that you're you're one of the more committed or most committed uh, council members we have, which is just very commendable and a, a model, I think, to, to, be, to be looked at very closely. Um, you know, sort of wrapping up here a little bit, Dubois County is, for those that are listening that don't know, one of the most unique and interesting, I think, places in Indiana. Um, you've got a couple cities, you've got a, a number of towns in the county uh, as well, but you have this um, sort of this gelling of business interests, sort of this uh, shared interest in quality of place and working together regionally. Um, you know, for years, you know, through different administrations, through different elected officials, through different appointed officials, it's always seemed to one way or another work well together. Um, so maybe just talk about your region a little bit. Um, and how you all have worked together regionally and collaboratively over the last uh, number of years uh, and, and where all that's heading. And maybe I know you uh, sort of combining a lot of things here into one, but uh, I mentioned it earlier, quality of life has been really important to the town over the years. Talk a little bit about that and, and how that's played into it as well. Okay. Um, you know, in Dubois County, the the cities and towns work well together. And I'll point fingers way back to in my early days was Bill Schmidt and Gail Kemp, the mayors of Jasper and Huntingburg. Uh, I think they went above and beyond offering help. And that helped pull things together because I'll be honest, when I first got to Ferdinand many, many years ago, um, it wasn't that way. You know, if you came from Jasper, we probably were going to help you get through town real quick so that you wouldn't stop and do anything. And 
same way as if I was heading to Jasper, they were going to make sure that I didn't stop and stay too long. Um, but that has changed over time. Um, you know, when all of this, uh, you know, as we work to develop our economy, um, the town itself got involved back in about 2009, 2010, we started to work with the, the state on their hometown competitiveness program, which really opened our eyes and, and brought a whole lot of, of uh, effort into trying to make the town move forward with some of the stuff the state has done. Um, you know, we have a treasure in this town. It's a very clean town for, what, for whatever reason. I uh, remember when I got on the council, I went and looked at the ordinance that said that you had to cut your grass every Thursday. Uh, there is no ordinance as such, but everybody cuts their grass on Thursday here in town. And, uh, you know, everybody keeps it up and we have some great parks. This quality of life was here long before it became a password of, of cities and towns. And we have a very supportive community. Um, we've got some great businesses in town that are very strong. And our school system is one of the best in the state as, as far as we know. Um, you know, so with Dubois County, it helps that if you're having a problem, you know, you know, you can call the mayor of Jasper or the mayor of Huntingburg or, you know, our, my two other uh, town council presidents in, in Brettsville or not Brettsville, but uh, all of a sudden drawing a blank, uh, Holland <laughs> and uh, bird's eye. Um, and they, they give you their time to, to help you if, if that's what it's going to take. And of course, it's the other way around. You know, from my viewpoint, if I get a phone call from any of them, I'm glad to help. So that really helps us, you know, uh, grow. Uh, economic development for us is, is very important in bringing in that quality of life. You know, as I stated earlier with developers, we work very hard with them. And in the past three years, we've seen for the you know, a town of 2,300 people, uh, two 12 apartment buildings have gone up. We have a 14 lot housing development that came on about a year ago and all lots are sold. And I think all but two of them have houses on them now. Uh, we've had three duplexes built in the last two years. Um, our we have a new senior living and nursing home that was built here in town. I think it holds up to almost 120 people now. The old senior uh, living and nursing home now is being rebuilt uh, in the upcoming years into a 28 uh, room apartment complex. And we had a new business come into town, uh, moved in from another, uh, another county, but they bought one of our old factories that was sitting here empty and they've completely redone it. It's a packaging plant. And then uh, we have a new housing development that's you know, coming up, uh, being platted. In fact, uh, tomorrow night at our uh, plan commission meeting, we're gonna uh, hopefully approve the platting process. And the Old Town Lake became our third park. We've put a walking trail around and we're now in the process of trying to complete it by putting a fishing pier and a kayak launch place and a couple you know, restrooms and things like that. So you know, the, the quality of life that we're looking for is very, very important. And we're working hard at that. Can't let you go, Ken, without talking about COVID. I, you know, as we record this, thankfully, I think the, the numbers are coming way down in Indiana and, and in the country. Hospitalizations are down. So that's all 
pointing positively, but like everybody else, COVID is going to change how we operate and how we do things probably permanently in some regard. Um, how's it impacted the, the town, the region? Um, any permanent type changes you're looking at now as a result of COVID? Uh, I think we've actually seen an uptick in the involvement or participation in local government during COVID. You know, a lot more folks are uh, savvy to, to jump on a Zoom or jump on a Facebook Live or whatever it might be to watch a Board of Works meeting or a council meeting or whatever. Um, so what, how's it impacted Ferdinand and, and any changes going forward that you, you foresee? Uh, I think the big change that we've got is, you know, and you mentioned Zoom meetings, uh, and I'm glad to see that the state legislatures are looking at that to allow us to allow that to continue to happen. Um, we've been very lucky here in town is that, yeah, we do Zoom our meetings more so so that other people can, can monitor what we're doing. Uh, we have a three-member town council, so it's not like we're trying to bring, you know, a whole ton of people into a room. We did move our meetings from our town hall, which is small, to the community center to where if we would have a large group of people, we actually have the ability to social distance everybody. Uh, we're wearing masks just like everybody else and uh, making that mandatory at all of our meetings and things like that. And, and I look for that myself. My gut's telling me that's probably into next year for sure that we're going to be wearing masks. Um, and maybe one of these days I'll get used to them, but, uh, you know, you still got to wear them. Uh, COVID really in Dubois County, it helped bring everybody together. And by everybody, I'm talking all the cities and towns and things, because in the early, early days prior to, you know, Governor Holcomb issuing his executive orders and everything, we were trying to figure out what is it that we have to do. And we started to have virtual meetings of our leadership between the county health department, the county commissioners, uh, the county council, the cities and the towns, all of our leadership got together and we were discussing what's going on and what do we see as next steps. We actually went and had some virtual meetings with whoever wanted to join in and most of it was media, but we'd talk about what was happening. You know, um, then when the executive orders kind of started to coming out and they were, you know, helping us because it was going to keep us from being the ones making the decision to wear a mask all the time and not go to restaurants and things like that. We came out, meaning the leadership group and supported the county health department. I did that by putting notices out on our, our website, uh, would put letters in the newspaper, things along those lines just backing up what the county health department was doing in support of, you know, their efforts and following the governor's executive orders. When the county, meaning Dubois County became red, which right now I looked just a little bit ago, we're, we're down in the, uh, the yellow now and at a 1.5 and our positivity rate is a 4.5, much, much different what, than what it was, a, you know, a month or two ago. We already had stuff in place and we just had to reinforce where we were at. Um, it wasn't unusual to in the early days for, you know, I'd go to a local store and walk in and half the people didn't have masks on. And then when we hit red and the, all the notices and stuff hit the newspapers and over the radio, all of a sudden it's, it's seldom that you see people without masks on right now. So that, that's a positive thing. 
And I see that in Dubois County, you know, and then through it all, the county, the cities, the towns, uh, the commissioners, we've all supported each other as we tried to build and do things. For the town, we we issued, you know, some orders about town council meetings and or any town, you know, function meetings had to be held in the community center. We made sure those dates were open. Um, the fact that you have to get your temperature when you come in, you have to wear a mask, all of those things are in place. And we just continue those from month to month as we go through it. Um, in the county itself and, and in our town, most of our large employers were essential workers. Uh, this kept people working, kept money coming in. Our smaller uh, departments or uh, businesses like restaurants and hairstylists and barbers, they were affected and they had to shut down. But when they opened back up, you know, they were turning people away because there just wasn't enough time in the day to do all the haircutting and, and feed all the mouths that were there. Uh, and with the restaurants, while they were shut down, not having people inside, carryouts bloomed. You know, everybody came trying to help out. You know, some businesses that closed when they opened, everybody came back to them. But yeah, we have had some small businesses that have closed and they're not coming back, all basically because of COVID and, and the things that it brought there. Um, you know, health-wise, um, I think we've, we've adjusted well. Our school systems have done a, done a tremendous job of trying to keep kids in school as much as they can. Um, you know, churches went virtual for a while. Uh, now, you know, numbers can come back, but they're not packed like they used to be. Um, and then, you know, overall, I think the, the people in Dubois County did what had to be done and they're still doing it. So that, that makes the county do real well. Overall, I'm sure there's going to be an economic impact. Uh, just not readily seen yet, but businesses are going to show that. And then a the challenge that we as a town have to face is the decrease in tax dollars because when people stop traveling, there's tax dollars come out of that. People are late making their, their tax payments and putting off. We'll have to deal with those shortages in the upcoming year or two. And uh, we'll just have to make some adjustments to, to make things work. Well, thanks, Ken. Uh, it's been a, a great podcast. I will say uh, COVID related. I don't think anybody likes wearing a mask. I have noticed, though, it, it does make me look a little better. So I won't uh, <laughs> won't hesitate to keep it on for a, a little while longer anyway. But uh, really appreciate the thoughtful discussion today. Thanks for joining us on the Hometown Innovations podcast. And we'll see you soon, either in person or virtually, I'm sure. And thanks for all your service to AIM over the years. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. The same Hometown Innovations podcast was sponsored by Baker Tilly Municipal Advisors.